Hey, you're tuning in to Ariel Speaks, relearning the ministry of Christ. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are on this very big planet that Yahweh has created. Woo! It sure has been a while since my first episode. So much has taken place since then. I've been a busy bee. <laughs> if you haven't listened to my first episode, which is, Do I Need to Read the Bible to Know God? I do encourage you guys to do that. It would mean so much to me, and I'm sure... It would be super helpful to those who are curious in this day and age when it comes to Bible studying and reading. That is something a lot of professed Christians do not do. Last time, I discussed the importance of knowing God and believing in Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior and Lord of our lives. In order to understand these things, in order to have a relationship with God, in order to know God, reading the Bible should be a primary component in the spiritual growth of every Christian, besides praying and fasting, of course. So before I get into today's topic, I want to play this amazing song written by a friend of mine I have been speaking with on Twitter. His name is Jordan Thomas. He's a Messianic artist, loves the Lord, and is just overall an amazing person from the conversations that we do have. This song is called Back to the Root. Here's a snippet. We are to counter the culture, but it's the other way. Thomas. Gosh, I love that song. You know, I loved it when I first heard it. There's something about hearing truth in music that is honestly so scarce these days, even in our own Christian and gospel music that we hear. The way Jordan addresses how far the Christian culture is from the genuine and raw truth of God's word is so important to understand. We hear it in sermons, books, articles, but in a song that's very clever and necessary. And of course, you know, through music, we always see things in a a more brighter perspective. So you guys can check out his song on Spotify and iTunes, I believe. I will also put that in the show notes. That will be available on the podcast website, www.arielspeakspodcast.com. Now we shall move on to today's topic, the separated ones. This is something I believe the Lord has placed on my heart to speak about. Honestly, it's taken almost forever to get this out here. And I believe it's been that way intentionally. Um, I strongly believe that before any message of the Lord goes out, it must minister to the speaker first. All I'm saying to you right now is very fresh in my spirit. And I know this is something people need to hear at this moment. I speak these things based on my experience, based on what I've seen, and based on what the Holy Spirit impresses on my heart. There is a lot of talk surrounding the Christian lifestyle and how our lifestyle should reflect God's word and genuine guidance of the Holy Spirit. For example, recently, Christianity has addressed the elephant in the room, the origins of the faith. 
there is a rise of the reestablishment of Messianic slash Judeo-Christianity happening as we speak. And certain beliefs and practices we have adopted throughout the history of the faith are being confronted. I feel like the body of Messiah is unnecessarily divided on the Christian lifestyle. I mean, there are many arguments, of course. Some are reasonable, some are not. Don't have time to talk too much about that. (laughs) But, you know, Christians have been back and forth sharing their opinions, advice, and views that cover this concern. And overall, people are tired of powerless tradition. They're tired of playing church and they want something real. They want the biblical Jesus and not the Jesus that has been portrayed through misinterpreted scripture and history. They want to get back to the root. (laughs) So what this podcast really isn't going to be is me addressing the conversation in detail because it's literally a rabbit hole. There's so many ways I can attack this in detail, but I'm not hopping on the opportunity to do that just yet. What I've seen is we Christians as a whole try to make light of a situation regarding the nature of the church only to fail in reinforcing the message that God sent to his people. That message being, you are a holy people. You are different people. You are not of this world. You are called out of darkness into God's light. There are reasons why this message has been overshadowed by our weak attempts in trying to get others to, quote unquote, see the light. One of the reasons is that we're focused more on the problem rather than the solution, rather than what has already been given to us by the Father himself. We are walking past the foundational elements of the Christian uniqueness, the faith, and heading straight for the things that in reality can only be spiritually understood. It's spiritual immaturity on our part, wanting to digest solid food before partaking of milk. Not only wanting to digest solid food before the appropriate time, but shoving it down everyone else's throats before we can swallow it ourselves. We must, unfortunately, return to the first essentials that got us here in the first place. We must ask ourselves, what do we believe about God? And what is the basis of our belief? Then whatever that answer is, we have to compare it with scripture and see if it is supported by scripture. Nine times out of 10, the math ain't mathin'. In other words, it's not adding up. A lot of us are afraid of doing this because confronting our hand-me-down traditions and ideas about Christianity with scripture means we will most likely find error in what we were raised in. But we shouldn't be afraid of existing misconceptions and assumptions we hold in our traditions. We are human beings and we don't know it all. Where there is error, there is room for correction. There is room for growth. Facing your mistakes and ignorance is also a sign of humility. Being able to correct them is just another manifestation of the grace that God extends to his people. Treasure that. When it comes to analyzing and studying the scriptures, I always add that it's important not to only read the scriptures, but to gain understanding. Believe it or not, this is a very hard thing to do because not everyone who reads the scriptures reads to gain understanding. They read to find scriptures to either contradict other scriptures or to have a sword fight with Christians. But I would like to give you several tips on how to gain more understanding and insight of the scriptures. So I'm reading from a bookmark um, and it is by Wellwatered Woman Company. And I got this bookmark from Rebecca when I visited her during her Driven Conference. Uh, Speaking of Rebecca, she's an amazing woman of God. I do encourage you to check out her podcast, Hallelujah Anyway. You can find it on Spotify and iTunes. I will also put this in the show notes. (laughs) So I'm going to read a little bit from this bookmark called How to Study the Bible. Number one, read through the text, obviously, before you do anything. Number two, research the background. There are several things to keep in mind as you are researching the background. Um, They are who's the author, who is the audience, 
why it was written, why the scripture was written, why was this text written, and what is the context, when it was written, and what is the message that the author is trying to convey. Number three, write it down in your journal. You can make a list of 10 to 20 points, however many you choose. I mean, whatever helps you guys, please just do it. You don't really have to follow my advice or at least follow the advice that this bookmark is giving me here. But whatever works for you um, is good because I know we all learn differently. You can state the facts, ask questions, and create an outline of the main points. Look for keywords. What words are being repeated? Circle, underline, or highlight themes that you notice. What words stand out? Number five, study the language structure and genre of the text of the scripture. Number six, dig deeper. Paraphrase the text. I'm not really a big fan when it comes to paraphrasing. I don't really like that because I, I believe in getting the fullness of God's word. And I know there are some Bibles that do paraphrase um, the scriptures, and I don't believe in that. I believe that it's important, again, sorry if I'm repeating myself, but it's very important to get the fullness of God's word. Every detail, every detail, I love detail, and God's word is very detailed. He's very precise with his word, so um, try to gain understanding in the detail of his scripture. Use commentaries. I suggest this be the last thing you do um, because commentaries are just simply the thoughts of another woman or man of God. And not to say that that's bad because it's good to seek wise counsel. Um, However, please rely on the Holy Spirit to give you the truth, to give you the absolute truth and to give you revelation. Um, Don't always depend on commentary to give you everything. Because let me tell you something. When you look for the answer or the meaning of scripture on Google or whatever, you know, it's a rabbit hole because people have all these different interpretations. And then you're going to be sitting here confused and frustrated and like, I don't know what this means. Everyone is saying something different and you'll be discouraged. So I do encourage you before you study your Bible to always pray and ask the Lord to open the eyes of your heart, open your eyes um, and lift whatever veil that is covering um, your eyes from seeing the revelation. Because the truth is about God's word is that his word is always there. The revelation is always there. But the truth is, is that sometimes we are so blind that we cannot see it, whatever the reason may be. But we all have things that we just don't understand yet there's a lot of things about god and scripture that we don't understand and we should be seeking god every day to give us insight and revelation about his word through the power of the holy spirit let scripture interpret scripture i know that there are bibles um i don't know if all of them do it they should (laughs) but there are bibles that do have scripture references like for example for the book of hebrews i'm very familiar with the book of hebrews they talk about um, in Hebrews 5, how um, how no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it uh, when called by God, just as Aaron was, who was the priest. And they'll give you uh, scripture references to Deuteronomy or Leviticus or Exodus even. And we all know that in Hebrews 5, they're talking about how Christ is the high priest and whatnot. So yes, there are Bibles that'll give you um, scripture references, Um, I believe that's the best example when it comes to letting scripture interpret scripture. I feel like that's the best way because 
who knows scripture better than scripture itself? <laughs> who knows scripture better than God, you know? So it's really cool um, to allow scripture to be the way it is um, and not through just the lens of a mere human being because we're all faulty. We all have misinterpretations. So don't rely so much on the interpretation of man, but again, rely on the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth of God, God's word to you um, through every angle and through every perspective that the Holy Spirit has to offer to you. And apply the word. Apply the word to your life. So now that you have uh, some understanding or you have at least one takeaway from this passage, what did you learn about God? And how does this, how does this change how you live? Pray scripture, okay? Pray scripture. The Psalms is, a, is like amazing when it comes to praying you can pray the scriptures it comes to life and i feel like what better way is to pray to god than praying his word i'm not to say that he doesn't recognize you know prayers that don't have scripture what i'm saying is is that bring power to your prayer by adding the word of god the word of god is settled in heaven okay the word of god is a lamp into our feet and light to our path you know the word is this and that you know so we know the power of the word of god Bring it into your prayer life. Allow the word of God to mold your life and manifest itself in your life. Allow it to come alive in your life. And don't allow it to just stick to the papers of the book, but allow it to stick to your heart and into your mind and into your spirit so you can fully possess the power of God, um, the power that he has given to his children. So, (laughs) um, moving forward, Christians should never come to a place in our life where we are not looking for God's approval or say so in things we choose to engage in. Unfortunately, a lot of us are in that place where we just assume because we have grace and because we won't go to hell for certain things, we are off the hook. A couple weeks ago, or like three weeks ago, something like that, I was having a discussion with my brothers and sisters in church, and I shared that as Christians, we are individually ministers of Christ and the gospel. Although we weren't obviously there, um... Our lives are a testimony and a witness to the ministry, crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus Yeshua. God has made us the separate ones for this very reason. Why? Because God has placed his spirit in us and his law is in our minds and written on our hearts as Jeremiah 31, 33 says. We have the Holy Spirit. We are the ones to proclaim the gospel. We are the ones to proclaim praises to God. We are to be faithful stewards and servants of the gospel. That being said, we are to preserve it, keep it, stand firm in it, spreading the good news into the world. We ought to treat this position with care. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You cannot glorify God by your own means. In all that we do, in all that the choices we decide to make, keep in mind the aim is not to serve yourself or serve man, but serve the Lord Yeshua because we are his people. If we serve man, then we are servants of man. We will aim to please man, aim to please our friends, family, lovers, and so on. If we serve ourselves, we are only interested in what makes us happy. Satisfaction is then found in yourself, and despite what society says, that's not the way to live. Not for Christians, at least. Since we are in Christ, since we are God's chosen generation, our satisfaction is in Him. This is how you glorify God. And to be honest with you, this is much easier said than done. But it's not impossible. Since the Holy Spirit lives within us and we are allowing him to operate in us, I hope, we can live a righteous life before God. 
it's enough that our righteousness is found in God through Yeshua. There is nothing better than the gift of salvation, which not only saves us from eternal damnation, but reconciles us back to the Father. It's truly a gift, a great inheritance that Yahweh leaves his children. But the problem is, a lot of his children do not take in the fullness of that gift. In other words, a lot of us don't walk in righteousness. Since the Lord is our righteousness, shouldn't we be appropriating it? Taking full advantage of it? You know, when you think about it, the children of God have a head start. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of things we don't understand about the Most High, our Heavenly Father. And you know what? That's okay. We are always looking for truth and trying to correct our ways of serving our God. But the absolute truth is Christ Jesus Yeshua and the gospel. When we make him the number one priority in our life, preach the gospel to ourselves, allow the gospel to become alive in our lives, and stop treating Yeshua as a trophy we look at and show off to everyone every once in a while, the Holy Spirit will operate in our lives and teach us however he pleases. You just got to give him room and allow him to take over. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. God wants his people to be set apart, everyone. When we examine the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we never see God bringing all religions together, unifying all perspectives and ways of life under one umbrella, and everyone sings kumbaya, holds hands, and that's it. (laughs) It's actually quite different. God is seen taking out, separating, dividing, and consecrating men and women of God for his name's sake. Let's stop serving God and affirming scripture through the lens of distorted tradition and carnal reality. Let's disturb all theology and concepts that aren't under the obedience of Yeshua. Stop uniting under compromise and unite under God. Christ should be our sole point of reference. He said it himself, do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not came to bring peace, but a sword. That's Matthew 10, 34. God chooses, sets apart, and sanctifies his people. That is a pattern all Christians must follow. So examine yourself to see if that pattern is manifesting in you. Of course, that doesn't mean we get to pull the hair out of our heads when we see so-called Christians typically not living as a Christian would normally live. Eventually, Yeshua will divide the compromise that man unifies under, as we see in Matthew 13, in the parable of the wheat and the tares. Both wheat and tares will grow together until harvest, and at the time of the harvest, Yeshua will gather the tares who represent the false converts and burn them. The wheat who represents the true believers will be gathered into his barn. I know that we can be so frustrated seeing other people not doing the right thing or doing what we personally believe isn't right. Because of that, we end up trying to separate the wheat and tares ourselves. First off, that's not our job. Second, it's not even the appointed time for that. It's something we don't even realize, but it's pretty selfish of us to do such things. We are no better than the other person, and beyond what we see is not in our capacity to criticize or point fingers. Doing what only Jesus can do will lead to strife and bitterness and can create self-righteousness and pride. What we throw away into the fire could very well end up being something real and genuine. We are all using a small frame of reference to do two things. Judge the motives of another human being and do what only Jesus can do. That is a dangerous mentality, and yet we continue to feed it every time. Why do we rush to play God when we know we will also be responsible for being a stumbling block to someone? It can happen easily. Let me make myself clear. I'm not saying that we aren't to judge other believers. We are to judge righteously when we see wrong being done according to the word of God. 
Again, according to the word of God. Many Christians do not like to hear this truth. Judge other Christians. 1 Corinthians 5.12 says, For what have I to do with judging those who are on the outside? Do you not judge those who are on the inside? We know a tree by its fruit, as Matthew 12.33 puts it. When simple behavior is obviously being shown, we lovingly judge and call believers to repent. People want to be nice and call it correction, which it is, but you're still judging. Yet, this alone is grace. For what is better, for the body to judge us or for the sovereign judge to judge us? I don't believe some people know what they're asking for when they say, only God can judge me. So what does this mean? Since Yeshua is returning and will eventually separate the true from the fake, does that mean it's all good until then? No. Since Jesus and the gospel is all that really matters and I have grace, does that mean it's fine to continue living in ignorance? God forbid it. Every Christian has a testimony of how Jesus became their Lord and Savior. No one's walk is the same, don't get me wrong, but God's principles and standards never change and they're constant. They do not waver for anyone. Let's not deceive ourselves. Respect the authority of the word. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Imagine that. The word of God is settled in heaven. It governs, it rules. We are not to only be hearers, but doers of the word of God. Think of it this way. Since the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, it must do what swords do. Better yet, beyond what swords do. And what do swords do? They cut, divide, pierce, and so on. The word of God separates the clean from the unclean, the holy from the unholy, the chosen from the unchosen. God's children. We are a chosen generation, a holy people, and clean in the eyes of God. According to what? The word of God. Our lifestyle shows accordingly when the scriptures are applied to our life. If we are clinging onto unbiblical traditions and worldly lifestyles and living in sin, under whose authority are we really operating under? Certainly not under the authority of the word. We are not as separated as we want to believe then. I say this because believing in Jesus and simply saying, I love God, does not work. Attending church every Sabbath or Sunday religiously and going to youth retreats every year religiously and being at Christian conferences all the time religiously doesn't make the cut. If we are caught up in lousy doctrine and we are only practicing what our elders, family, and pastors taught us without studying the scriptures for ourselves, we are in for a rude awakening. A very rude one. It's a sad time when the church allows family values, man-made, and unbiblical ideas to supersede the true nature of the bride of Christ. No more shall we elevate these things above and beyond what God expects of us. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. I believe this is what people are afraid of the most. As I've said earlier, humans in nature hate being wrong. We hate finding out that whatever we've embraced and personalized could very well be false. 2 Corinthians 13.5 comes to mind in the sense of examining ourselves as to whether all that we consume glorifies God or is of his will. One of the things Christians have adopted from the secular world is individualism. Individualism is the moral stance, political philosophy, ideology, or social outlook that emphasizes the moral worth of the individual. Today, many Christians aren't saying according to the Bible or the Bible says this, therefore this is what I believe. Instead, they say things like, well, for me, it works this way. For me, God said this. The body of Messiah in no way can be unified with this twisted and wicked philosophy. Don't get me wrong. There are things that we can disagree on because there are personal convictions and areas in the Christian life where we do have the freedom to do as we please according to the will of God. 
Let me repeat, we have the freedom to do as we please according to his will. It reminds me of Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. To delight ourselves in the Lord means to simply submit to him, submit to his way, love and keep his commandments, and bring true order to the relationship between God and man. That is God being the head over man. Life is much different when God is the head over our lives. So when you allow these things to come as they are, he will give you the desires of your heart. Another way I interpret this passage is that once you follow the will of God, God gives you exactly what your heart desires, and your heart's desire is all that he is. Delighting yourself in the Lord is conforming to his image, and once you do that, your heart posture changes, and it's no longer seeking what man can give, but only what God can give, and the desires that God provides isn't always material. So we have freedom, but not in the, not freedom as the world gives it, but freedom in Christ. And the head of every man, not just literal man, but every human, is Christ. He is the head of the church, as Colossians 1.18 puts it. So don't believe you can do whatever worldly, sinful, fleshly thing you can think of and believe it's all right because you're free. No, because while there are things we can disagree on, there are things that scripture clearly says is wrong and ungodly, and that cannot be challenged. You can try and come up with whatever your feeble mind can create, (laughs) but keep in mind that God's word doesn't change for anyone. You're rebelling against God, and you're only lying to yourself. Anyways, recently I read an article about fish. I know, it's so random of me to say that, but (laughs) I read an article that said there are fish that will swim against the current, even when they aren't migrating. The current is like the flow of stream flock of fish you see swimming together in pictures or documentaries about marine life or finding Nemo. (laughs) But in all seriousness, guys, it's important to know who God has called us to be. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That means something, y'all. Children of God, this is who we are. The Holy Spirit is convicting God's elect of their righteousness. We are in the midst of an age of restoration of the Lord's own special people. He has separated and chosen us because the time is drawing nigh for his greatness and for his glory. You belong to Christ, not to the world. So don't go with the flow. Be different, be holy, and act like the special people God has created us to be. Let us put down all that is not of God so that he may increase. So swim against the current tides. I love you all. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time.